Good afternoon, beautiful people. I'm keeping all my content free of charge so there's complete transparency so everyone can get the benefit of all the information. This is a completely independent podcast, but any monetary support is greatly appreciated. Click the support this podcast link at the end of the episode description for more details. Now back to the show. Good morning, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum, episode 21. And we're back with the repeat guest, Jay Clark. Jay Clark, yeah, he's an Excel owner, um, which is a rent-a-car group. And I want to know more about this group as well and plug in um, the company that you're a part of. And he's also a graduate of Olivet Nazarene University, which is located in Bourbonnais, Illinois, adjacent to Kankakee, south of Chicago. Welcome to the show again, and thanks for accepting the invitation. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me once again. Let's let's get into this. We have a lot to talk about today, Jay. The audience, <laughs> you guys need to get your seatbelts, get your popcorn. Um, even though it's early in the morning, this is an episode that I think calls for this type of a, um, reaction. I'm excited to do the episode. We're going to talk about Kanye West. We're going to talk about Kyrie Irving. Uh, this anti-Semitism in air quotes, just some different stuff um, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about, especially revolving Black men and this um, condemnation, really, of Black men that's been going on for a long time, not just um, the media-driven um, ne- negrophobia is what we call it in Latin America, but um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of um, ne- negrophobia in the United States, very prevalent which dates back to obviously the middle passage and, and even before then. Um, I wanted to plug in your group. Tell me a little bit more about Excel um, business group. It's a car rental group you're a part of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's our primary focus is getting cars to people um, as far as externally. So we got cars mainly in Chicago, Phoenix and Orlando, uh, right by the largest airports in those three cities. So, Mainly when people fly in, they'll get a car from us. You know, we'll service them, whether it's for a couple of days, a week, a month, however long we should be able to take care of them. Um, we got like luxury cars and regular cars, SUVs, pretty much whatever. Whether you're traveling for style or for family or for business, we should be able to have something for you, help you out. Are you are you the sole proprietor of this company? Up until very recently, it. I mean, it was always... Legal standing was never a sole supplier, uh, a sole proprietorship, but um, I recently got actually involved with a partnership, so that took a load off me mentally, um, and brought in some different resources to the business. So, kind of taking that next step in business of collaboration, if you will. So, uh, but you're considered an owner of the group. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm the majority owner. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, up until up until the partnership, I was the only owner, but uh, now it's a partnership, if you will. And what areas do you service? Um, you mean as far as cities? Yes. So Phoenix, Phoenix, Orlando, Chicago is our bread and butter. And we may expand just depending on where the market takes us, but um that's kind of the three cities that we're focused on at the moment. Well, congratulations on that endeavor. And I definitely want to link it into the episode description. I did the last time, but I'll do it again just so people can get that um, 
visibility and see what's going on with Excel, A-C-C-E-L, um, and it's a rental car group, correct? Yeah, rental cars. Um, we're trying to get down to Nashville, too. We're trying to get down to Tennessee, <laughs> but yeah, it's about it's about supply and demand. We'll see it's when that day comes. It's a market down here. Nashville is one of the fastest-growing cities in the country, the, the metropolitan area. Mm. And I know Chicagoland is, I think, the third-largest metro area in the country. Yeah, third, fourth, Houston. Houston trying to sneak past us. <laughs> Houston going crazy, though. They're blowing up down there. H-Town, yeah. H-Town's a nice <laughs> town. And, but Chi-Town is, too. I've been up there. I've been to Chicago about six times. Mm. And uh, we talked about Chicago some the last episode. And, you know, not surprisingly, we're going to talk about some Chicago now. We're going to talk about another Chicago native. Yay is what he goes by now. But Our guy. <laughs> I want to... I want to get your views just um, initially on uh, the situation with the loss of the Adidas deal with Kanye. But even before mm -hmm. that, what would be some of the things that people don't understand about Kanye West, in your opinion, if you were to tell a viewer who is a like team hater on Ye or just someone that doesn't understand Kanye West, what would be some misconceptions that you would clear up just from the get go? Well, that's a that's a great question. Um, I I do want to preface. We just talked about Chicago. I do have that biased perspective. So I'm from <laughs> Chicago land, if you will. I'm from an hour south, but we grew up on college dropout. We grew up on, you know, the whole yay beat movement, the whole producer, the rapper transition movement. And we follow yay the whole time. And then he kind of just super blew up. Like he surpassed superstardom to the point that you know, he has a V by his name now. He's involved with a lot of stuff. So I'm very, I'm kind of, I didn't say very biased. I'm sort of biased because of my proximity to where he grew up. Um, but I think that a lot of people don't realize that he may be overly strategic with things, but there's always intent behind what he's doing. Um, he didn't lose the Adidas deal on accident. I don't think, from what I understand, you know, the way he he's smarter than that, you know, he didn't lose all of these deals and partnerships on accident the things he was saying were intentional and he kind of knew the outcome before it happened people were just upset because it was on such a large stage that he did it which is the internet <laughs> um the internet is going to be what it is you know he can't control that you know wherever he goes they're gonna he could be on he could be on this podcast you know he says something crazy gonna blow up you know um that just comes with his stature so i think bias in my biased opinion i want to preface once again i do think people should cut him some slack because it's like if he wanted those deals to continue he would just shut up and and play this role but i think he sees for himself something bigger maybe a larger vision or something that's just morally incorrect that he didn't agree with and decided to separate himself um so yeah that's kind of my take on it so so going back to um, one of the original two questions, like you answered one of them, what would be what would be some of the misconceptions that people have of him? I guess if someone was like just directly with you right now and asking like, why should I warm up towards Kanye West? Like, why should I get, give him alternative looks or a second look? I'm gonna keep it real. I I've only heard pushback from like serious pushback from elder generation, super Dems. I'm gonna be honest, and they, it's like if you bring up the words, the phrase "yeah" or Kanye West, they like get all huffy and puffy about it. 
I don't think he's a bad person. I think that the general public is trying to be convinced that Kanye West is like a bad person, you know, that he has ill intent, that he's evil in some way. And even, you know, my Christian brothers and sisters, some of them say that he's a false prophet. Um, I personally, I don't think that he has any ill intent, you know, in those ways um, that he's that he's almost pushed forward in the public realm to be perceived right now. And I don't, I think it's just an attack. Unfortunately, I'm not here to, I'm not his lawyer. I'm not here to defend him necessarily, <laughs> but I think it's quite clear that, you know, anyone that can look at the situation logically can see that he's a target of the media right now. He's the primary target of the media other than uh, what's, what's his name? Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate's kind of going through it as well, but I won't, I definitely ain't going to defend him with the allegations that are involved, but um, I think the media, as far as pop culture, American media, American pop culture, they pick their, they pick their targets. We've kind of discussed that before. And if you go against the, you know, the overall motion of where they want things to go, they'll try to slaughter you. I'll say try, try to slaughter you. Um, I do think Ye is going to withstand all of this. I think his future is brighter than his past. (laughs) Do you think that even compared to um, we know how the media likes to um, give these character assassinations towards people? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a light way to put it, because I'm going to try to bring a historical framework into this that, that goes back to, to slavery, to the enslavement of black people and how that's very re- relevant to this conversation, this discussion with Kanye West, because I have to frame it that way. So I don't get these um, accusations of being anti-Semitic. I've gotten anti-Semitic accusations towards me for years now, especially um, in the political sphere. If you have certain views, um, people will tag that and put that anti-Semitic label on you. It it happens all the time, especially with black men. But Mm. a lot of that is because it kind of goes into Ye's assessment I wouldn't have said it the way he said it, but at the same time, I can't filter the way he talks. Like he's gonna want to talk the way he wants to, and I, I don't have any right to tell him the way to talk the way he wants to talk. I would give it a different framework into what he was trying to get at when it comes to this um this prioritization of everything um, Israel because the people he's talking about are a part of the industry that he's in. And they are controlling the shots or whatever. People call it a conspiracy mm. theory. But some of the data we're going to go over later and just some of the names I'm going to drop is going to show that it's not conspiratorial at all. There's nothing conspiratorial when you have the links and the names and the companies, the people owning these companies controlling the information. And they just happen to all be a part of the same group of people. And it's not yeah. it's not Jews either. It's not even a Jewish thing. It's the political angle that all these people have in common that are Jewish. And so it gives validity into what he's saying. You have something to say, Jay? Yeah, and I, I'm big on words. A couple of my homies get like, they get real particular with me because I'm particular with words. And when I hear these words, in particular, conspiracy, um, Semitism, anti-Semitic, you know, that the definition of the words and the public perception are completely misaligned. They're just viewed as negative, but they actually have real meanings. You know, 
so conspiracy, right? Everything we're discussing is the definition of a conspiracy. Conspiracy is a it's a negative negatively perceived word, but it actually has meaning behind it. So conspiracy would be a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. That's the definition of a conspiracy. It's not, you know, it's it could be a many of things, but considering what we're talking about, considering all the evidence in front of us. This is quite literally the definition of a conspiracy. But I want to go back. I want to go back to names, though. I want to go back to names. I think Pete Davidson is like, he's he's one of the largest pawns in the, the war against Kanye West. And I didn't want to, I've never said that publicly. I I'm wanted to tweet it. <laughs> I wanted to tweet it. I wanted to put it on just because it, it, I think it's something that needs to be talked about. Kanye West is no stranger to the public. Kanye West is no stranger to anything pop culture, anything media, anything of that nature. Ever since Pete Davidson got involved with Kanye's wife at the time, I think she's still his wife, but ever since Pete got involved over there, all I see is this dude all across my screen. Now, I look at his aneurysms and who he seems to be as a person. He's a weirdo. I'm be completely he's a weirdo. I don't I don't want to judge him publicly, but he probably tell you he's a weirdo. You know what I'm saying? Like dude just he just off his horse. He and I'm watching the the little Pro Bowl game the other day. Whatever. It was just it was a it was a shit show, if I'm being honest. But it was a little Pro Bowl game. And he's judging the NFL's best catch. The NFL's best catch award. And I'm like, why the hell is Pete Davidson here? Like, it's Pete Davidson in the middle as a judge, Snoop Dogg on one side. Snoop Dogg and Ladanian Tomlinson. If people don't know him, he was a Chargers running back, one of the greatest uh, younger generation might not know, him, but one of the greatest running backs in the 2000s, if you will. Pete Davidson standing in the middle, and after my thoughts of why the hell is this guy here, he quite literally says he's the one that they interview at the end of the competition for some reason. Pete Davidson gets interviewed. He quite literally says, "Why the hell am I here? I'm next to two legends." Pete, I don't know why you're there. The audience doesn't know why you're there. You don't know why you're there. But to me, it, it's just, it seems very odd that ever since he got involved with the man's wife and there's a clear public smear campaign against this man that he's plastered all over the TV, you know? And then, but but if Ye comes out and says that, like, hey, they're using Pete Davidson to slander me, to ridicule me, to psychologically attack me, they would say Ye's tripping. But like uh -huh. the reason this man is relevant is because of his connection to yay <laughs> at this point. I I had to Google who this man even was. Who the hell I mean, he was, on, he was on Saturday Night Live. Um I saw that for some like, years. He, he's yeah. a comedian. I don't know much about him. I know he's been in some movies, but um I'm not really into the pop culture stuff as much. I know I think there's too much of it in our world. Like that's the reason why people are so dumb down now is because the fact that we even Given Kanye West, honestly, this much shine is a problem because there are way mm. bigger societal issues going on besides people making it seem like a black man is a Nazi, which is absolutely ridiculous. But it's um it's one of those things where I think we have to question anyone that's in front of the, the television and the silver screen. I really do. And you have to wonder why are these people um, the ones promoted? in these situations. Um, he obviously, I think he's playing a little dumb to think that he just happened to be there. Like he obviously, he was there for a reason. 
And um, I don't know if it has anything to do with the Kanye West connection. Uh, I, I think he had a following before Kanye, but there's definitely a link is now after, you know, the, the Kardashian situation. Yeah, it makes it makes too much sense to me. And it is I think the Pro Bowl was like confirmation to me because of course the the same people that are at war with this man in media are over the media that was over the game. So it just makes sense. I don't know. And I don't wanna I would probably get labeled a conspiracist if this was able to to reach a large number of people. But it's like, come on, man, just look at the evidence in front of you. It's it's getting out of control, honestly. I want what interviews have you followed with Kanye when these um, accusations came up? I mean, I, I see why people are saying what they are because of I wrote a lot of stuff down based on some of his interviews. But what have you seen yourself? Um, what have you followed, like, even before the Adidas deal fell through, like, in some of Kanye's interviews to where you just knew that he would get in trouble for being a free thinker? Oh, man. Um just the direct attacks at the paradigm. Um, I actually shared a, I might've shared this with you. I'm not sure, but I shared a viral clip of Ye from the Drink Champs interview. And it was him, it was him kind of making fun at the common hip hop song. Um, and he said, it was a quote, um, I'm a, I'm a F yo B, I'm a kill this nigga. Mm-hmm. And, he was saying that to the beat of the tune. But what was most interesting is it was completely true. I posted it on Instagram and they took it down saying that it was inciting violence, but it was actually the most viral video I had to that day. It had like 150,000 views. Like on a Instagram? Lot of people. Yeah, like it was completely blowing up and they took it down saying that it was inciting violence. Um, but all the clips of him speaking of anti-Semitism or whatever they want to label it, which by that definition, he did speak in that way, by the definition of that word. Because if you say anything against that particular group in public, it's labeled as that, back to the definition of words. So whether you're saying anything good or bad, if you're saying that that group has control over things, then it's labeled as anti-Semitic. But those were the clips that were allowed to ride. Now, why is it that the clip that was portraying the negatives in hip hop music, which is violence, that was taken down, but the clips that are quote unquote anti-Semitic that aren't necessarily violent the way he said them, but he's receiving violence in return. So actually the clips that you're letting ride are the ones inciting violence versus the one that Instagram decided to take down. One was progressive for a culture the other one was regressive for one person. You know, I don't know. Mm. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. One, one, the things that he was saying in the interview that I posted were progressive for Black people because it was shining light on the negatives in hip-hop versus what he was saying was inciting violence, but in the opposite fashion. People were attacking him because of the things he said, but those clips were able to run, run wild at that, you know. You you referred to um, anti-Semitism, and honestly, there's there's a there are two YouTube channels that people have to subscribe to if you want to know about black political thought, philosophy, mm-hmm. why um, large segments of black people ha- we have our own people that we follow, 
And um, I think that, that the mainstream media and society in general, the Western world especially, has done a great job of making everything anti-Africa. When something's mm -hmm. anti-Africa, when you don't talk about it, just think about humanity came from Africa. But if you look at the news, you would never know that Africa existed because all we talk about are European countries. We talk about the G7 countries, UK, United States, Germany, mm -hmm. France, and a handful of other countries that are friends with those countries I mentioned. But you never hear about Africa the way you should hear about Africa. And that's why I'm going to get some people from the, the continent of Africa to, to kind of show what kind of news that they take in, what's happening in their side of the world, because we don't even hear much about South America, Latin America, Asia, Africa. These areas are discarded in favor of the super capitalistic Western world and the European Union. That's all we talk about. If it's not pro-European Union and pro-United States, it's always it's viewed as <laughs> catastrophic, um, Muslim, and they make it in a very negative way. Like that That's the funny thing about anti-Semitism is that it was originally meant to be a language focus. Anti-Semitic refers to Semitic languages. Some kind of way that original meaning morphed into meaning just Jewish people who are Semitic people but guess who else are Semitic people? Arabs are also Semitic. Mm -hmm. So why isn't anti-Semitic applied to people who are Islamophobic? Why does it only apply to Jewish people and not people from Pakistan, from Iran, from Saudi Arabia? Why is it only towards a group of people in the state of Israel? That's why I don't get that. But because that's the way the power of the word has transformed. Because you have companies and you have organizations like the Anti-Defamation League. You have the Southern Poverty Law Center. You have all these different corporations and organizations who are led by Zionist Jews. They are. I'm not making this stuff up. You can look it up. All these people are leading a political movement, which is fine. I don't have a problem with people having their own political movements, but give people other people area for their political movement too. It shouldn't be a monopoly on political movement. And a lot of this goes mm -hmm. back to the foundation of Israel in 1947. Um, a lot of these um, people are promoting this same ideology where Israel is fine. I'm not saying that Israel shouldn't exist. I'm not one of those people that saying that. But I'm just saying that I can see a certain narrative to where Israel is, whatever Israel says is going to be what the law is and anything that goes or combats against that narrative of Israel is going to be under strict condemnation, strict criticism. And in a lot of cases, just completely blacklisted from um, public thought or information or public domain. Um, that's what scares me a lot with that. But the two um, channels I wanted to shout out are Afro-Marxist and Real Black One. That's for, spelled R-E-E-L, the same as your podcast, Jake Hart, mm. Real Mindset. It's called Real Black One. And it's a film site that shows a lot of um, documentaries, a lot of debates with Black historians and philosophers and professors. And it brings in a lot. It brings in all the different Black political thought from Marcus Garvey um, to Malcolm X, to MLK, to Louis Farrakhan, all these different people, to show that there's a common link in history 
where the media portrays as certain historians and certain ministers or just completely distanced from the MLKs that are completely whitewashed now because the white people like MLK now when they hated him when he was killed um, mm. by the CIA or whoever the hell killed him. He was completely an unpopular black person back then. But now he's super popular. We have a birthday. You know, he has his own day. Malcolm X doesn't have a day. I don't think he does. Why doesn't Malcolm X have one, but MLK has one? Well, Malcolm was part of the Nation of Islam, you know, and so Farrakhan... MLK was Malcolm, a government... He was a government employee, though. He was on the, on the uh -huh. payroll. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's on the but, payroll. But even then, though, they want to separate... <laughs> the MLK crowd from the Malcolm X crowd when there's a lot of overlap between the two and the Farrakhan crowd. Just go to these two channels and watch it for yourself because the media wants to make you seem that all most black people don't fuck with Farrakhan, they don't fuck with Malcolm X, they don't fuck with any of these oh, people that's, that's because trash. they're part of the nation Islam. No, that's the way they sell it though in the media. If you watch it, they separate the black political thought. Mm. They do it on in a in a way to make black people question is that a good thing that i'm thinking this way that's that, that's the seed they put in your head I've, I've given up i've given up on like white media acceptance i think that that for one it makes me like dangerous in a way because i just at times i feel like i'm just going rogue but in reality i'm just standing on my truth i don't they've never made a place for us you know i i can't go knock on their door for 10 minutes, begging to get in. They let me in. They all sitting at the table. I ask for a seat. They tell me to go sit on the couch. Then I gotta ask for food. Like, nah, I wanna be welcome when I'm when I arrive. For for like I just that's the analogy I see when I look at trying to fit in white media spaces. I'm not, we can't, I'm not gonna beg, you know. I'm just gonna create my own, build my own house. I'm gonna get this this rugged house over here and build it up. That's what your house is nice, but I'd rather feel more comfortable in my own. But isn't that kind of what we're getting at, though? With don't you think that that's the the problem that both Kyrie and and Kanye faced is this whole idea of them they're breaking away from that current, and so what happened to them as a result of that? Um, I believe they. I don't think anything happened to them necessarily. You don't think so? You no, know, I. I mean, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. Ky Kyrie did have to go meet with the the leaders, um, the Jewish leaders and whatnot. I think Ye had to do something similar. It's like, what what do you what are you gonna give your your soul or a couple of dollars? I don't know. You know, <laughs> how are you? I think there's a certain type of people that's just gonna stand on what they believe in, and that's where you get revolutionaries and, and leaders. You know, um, and not all of that is good. You know, there's good and evil and everything. There's two extremes and everything. There's there's good kings and evil kings, but for these two men that we're talking about, Kyrie and Ye, I don't think that they've lost any more than they've gained, which is peace of mind and standing on principle. Um, you know, it, I think it goes to their intent, and we don't know it. We don't know their intent from a public perspective, but from everything I've heard from the two of them out of their own mouth, not public perception, it doesn't seem like they have evil or ill intent. Think they're both coming from very genuine places of trying to understand you know how are we two kings in america that are hated and scrutinized for things that we believe in and for truth and for things that are congruent with our people's history why are we hated for that why is that muzzled 
and they haven't necessarily backed down from that point you know so it's like do you want to keep a couple dollars or give up your soul give up your entire being as a human as a man if you're trying to discover that truth and what that means i think you have to make that choice when you're in that situation i guess i guess my question to this as a follow-up would be do you see um kanye's multi-billion dollar adidas um loss i know we can view that as a completely different some people would view that as a game because he did it intentionally i i absolutely agree with you that he did it intentionally and I'm not mm. debating that both of these guys are both free thinkers, is uh, and I support them. But I was getting at more. Do you think that the loss of his deal with Adidas and Gap, and also Kyrie's multi multi suspensions, one because of the jab, and then the other one because of this latest incident because he shared a link about a purported a purported anti Semitic film, which he just shared mm. a link. That's it. Do you not see those two things as forms of buck breaking? I do. I do. I absolutely do. And uh, it's it's bigger now because on a bigger scale with them, you know, they're getting whipped in front of the entire public. People, there's out of 10 people, there's going to be a certain amount that think that those are absolute losses. Those are catastrophic losses. He lost billions of dollars in a day or he got suspended. So he lost $200,000 a game for not playing. It's just how you view money, you know, in my personal opinion. And the understanding of value when it comes to Ye specifically, it's not like the man's bank account decreased by $2 billion or whatever the hell. You know, he lost a partnership with Adidas, who's a worldwide leader in apparel, footwear, lifestyle, et cetera. And also Gap, who's involved with the children. You know Gap, you know Gap, you know, so... He lost two large brands that were attached to his, I say larger brand of Yeezy, and he his value decreased, his quote unquote net worth decreased because he just got disconnected from these certain brands. But it's not like he's burning cash. And to me, that can be rebuilt. You know, I'm sure to him it can be built too, but that's gonna take some time and different resources and direction. But my prediction for Ye as a retain it permits to like clothing and all of that crap i think he's going to come back with a shoe that competes with nike i think he's going to come back with a jean that competes with levi a boot that can be competes with timberland um he has the resources to do that i will be a buyer personally um <laughs> i would love to see him kind of come back and make his own clothing brand and just slap all these other clothing brands in the face i would love to see it does he have the stamina and the, the want to to do that is yet to be seen but I go back to my point before. I think his his future is brighter than his past. I don't think we've seen the last of Ye, you know, on a high level in clothing and damn sure not in music. Do you see, um, can you explain to the audience just briefly, because a lot of people in my audience may not understand what the term is, buck breaking. Can you tell the audience mm. where it comes from? Yeah, this, this is my understanding. Um, just from like reading and history and stuff I've seen. This is just, almost publicly embarrassing someone in power um, in order to get the common folk to stay in, stay in alignment. So in, in the slave days, of course, you would buck break the strongest, the strongest male slave, the slave that potentially all the slaves feared 
you know, the master might come and, and beat the hell out of him in front of everybody. And the message was, if we can do it to him, we can do it to you. So I, I understand the position of, let's just talk black and white. This black man's being attacked on a national scale, a worldwide scale at this point. I can completely understand, empathize and sympathize with the majority of black folks who are scared to come to his defense. I completely understand it. But when, I don't know, I just can't, as a, as a, as a Chicago land native, I ain't going to sit by and let them just destroy this man. I'm not, again, I'm not his legal counsel. I'm not his lawyer, but when it's brought to my attention and I can have a platform such as this, I thank you to be able to speak on it. It's like, I'm not going to join the smear campaign just because I'm told to. What are the facts? What's really going on with this? What's the bigger agenda? Potentially, it's all speculation, but is everything on the surface true? Should we accept what they're telling us or is it a deeper meaning to what's going on? And to, to, cl to close that point too, if I'm the powers that be, I would be attacking Kanye too because the the Drink Champs interview wasn't about Kanye West hating Jewish people. It was about Black people coming together and building a community. And for a man as powerful as Jay and with the platform that he has, that is a threat to the current paradigm. So if I was him, I would attack him too. <laughs> it, it makes sense. And I don't, I'm not sure about this interview as far as like, I don't even know if it would last on YouTube, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. It'll probably be taken down. Like, I, I, I'm anticipating on it being taken down. You mean this, this particular one? Yeah, I'll share the clips. I'm, I was thinking the same. <laughs> because, um, and it's probably more so what I've said than you have. I don't think you've said anything so far to kind of, um, to mess up the algorithm or upset them. But mm -hmm. um, I've definitely insinuated enough, I think, to give them a reason to, to, to close down the video. But, but that just shows you how this sort of environment we're in right now when it comes to free speech. And, um, you know, it is, which is a fake notion, really. We don't have free speech in this country. Mm -hmm. um, if we did, we wouldn't have whistleblowers and journalists um, in prisons, in high security prisons, for telling the truth and exposing the intelligence agencies and governments, but instead they're the ones that are in prison and the people who committed the crimes are out telling us what to say and what not to say. So that tells you how fucked up the world is right now. And I'm referring to Julie, Julian Assange, Mumia, I'm referring to Leonard Peltier, all the different. Uh, Stephen Donziger luckily is, um, is freed now, but I'm talking about a lot of people who have exposed these intelligence agencies and information outlets um, which served the purpose to keep people hush-hush and be quiet and um, and conform really to the system, conform to the information sphere that we're in. We're always told that everything is fake news and, and misinformation, but whose misinformation is it? Um, mm. I just think that that's been overused, misinformation, conspiracies overused too much, conspiracy theories. No, I call it a free thinker. That's why I, I deliberately call this Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum because I want to set the tone and let people know that I don't care where you're coming from, you're welcome on the show. And I believe your ideas have a right to be broadcast. I don't care who you are. And I think you need to let the public decide what they don't want to take in, what they don't want to take in, but at least give mm. people a chance to dialogue about it and not shut them down with this label that you came up with 
because it doesn't fit your it doesn't fit your political agenda. Um, and, and again, you know, that is a directed comment. And I've seen it just looking at some of the comments. There's a channel called News to Share. News, the number two and share. All they do is broadcast protests and, and, and riots and different events around the world. They don't even talk on that. They just show the camera where the event is going on and you'll see the protest signs and everything else. Just mm -hmm. live, real time. So a few days ago, there was a bunch of Jewish people protesting against the Israeli government here. Wow. American Jews protesting against the government of Israel right now. The Benjamin mm -hmm. Netanyahu government, someone that Kanye outed in the Alex Jones interview, which I know pissed off the powers that be, because Benjamin Yahu, he's the current prime minister of Israel. He's a right-leaning politician who is very much all about Israel. Um, he has very close ties with the United States, clearly, and the adjacent allies. But um, when Kanye mentioned his name, I knew that he was in some trouble. Um, mm. And this was mm. after he lost the deal, because according to Kanye, a tweet is what caused them the, the loss of the Adidas deal, he said he put something on there. He was under the influence. He was drunk. And he tweeted something, something with Jews. He and said, he I'm said, going, uh, what the hell did he say? I'll find it while you said <laughs> He put that, he said that tweet is what cost them the deal. It had nothing to do with the interviews, not even the Alex Jones interview, and not even the Drink Champs interview, um, and not even the Lex Friedman interview. He's done so many interviews yeah, I'm saying to myself, this guy is such a racist. He's such a Nazi. But yet everyone wants to interview him, you know? And it's, yeah. I just think it's crazy that and I know I'm all over the place rambling, but it, I'm just so frustrated and mad because the company that dropped him has Nazi ties. Do people hmm. realize that the Adidas was started by a Nazi party affiliate? The Dazzler family, Adolf and Rudolph, are two brothers. Adidas is the second largest shoe company in the world behind Nike. They were part of the Nazi party. Look it up. I'm not making this shit up. Adolf mm. Dazzler and Rudolf Dazzler. They both broke off. One brother formed Puma, which is another shoe company still going on. They were mm. both part of the Nazi party. And so why didn't the public think that that was their way to sort of distance themselves because of this apparently anti-Semitic black man that has Nazi ties, but they didn't get any criticism from it. And the criticism that they did get, it talked about a dark history of Adidas, but it didn't want to go too into detail about why, you know, the history that Adidas has that was formed from the Nazi party. So unfortunate. So the people, the people that are upset with the man that, the people that are upset with Ye have Nazi blood and transatlantic slave blood and we're supposed to <laughs> and we're supposed to crucify him nazi blood and transatlantic slave blood like please spare me <laughs> he said uh, he, he said he's going defcon 3 though the tweet was he's going defcon 3 that was the the tweet but did he specifically mention jews in that tweet yeah uh he said i'm going defcon 3 against like the jews or whatever the Jews. oh wow yeah. and then he he took it down so mm. again who you are the platform the timing 
I don't agree with I don't agree with anyone on everything, but the tweet probably shouldn't happen to me. You can't you can't write it. You can't put it in words. If you say it in speech, some people will forgive you, but if you write it, you're gonna get some backlash, <laughs> especially on Twitter. I think Elon Elon even banned. I think he's banned from Twitter like today, like to this moment. Yeah, according to the Al Jones interview, he he's still banned. As of that interview, he was still banned. And I think that interview was back in December. Mm. And the Al Jones interview was pretty eye-opening, honestly. Um, I think that interview, have you watched that interview with Kanye and Al Jones? On I haven't, not the full. I've watched the, what's it, Tucker Carlson. I watched both Drink Champs. I don't think I watched the full Alex Jones one, though. Dude, the Al Jones one is, is fucking bananas. Like, mm. he, he took the gloves <laughs> off. No, he seriously... Uh, what you said in the Al interview was like, to me, if you want to get him for anti-Semitism, the stuff you said in the interview was like, it really, it would mess your mind up if you haven't caught up with the history. Mm. But I think he, he's definitely deliberate. He's definitely calculating this. And it's a way to show, he basically was saying, you got to realize that the people I'm surrounded by are all kind of controlling like what I have to say and stuff. Like he's Ooh. he also made a comment that they killed his mom. Like I heard that. I did hear that. He said that in that interview as well. Like that was one of the first things he said is that they sacrificed my mom. That's what he said. Mm. Is that the interview where he went into he can pretty much say whatever he wants because he's never killed anyone? Mm-hmm. I think I, I might have seen, I might have seen. What's crazy, I was driving back from Dallas like 14 hours, so I got to watch all of these, but I might have heard that one. I think I was, I thought that was an interesting point too, that he was kind of calling out everyone in rap that all the, pretty much all the largest rap stars have charges or some type of history. It's disgusting. There's so many things to unpack, and I, I truthfully think that he's standing on good principle, you know? It's He's a rapper and producer by trade, at least originally. So he's going to put the cape on and try to be the savior of that industry, which is that's my his his true my perspective of his truth right now. He's putting the cape on, risking everything to make change in the hip hop industry. And I think he's going to be successful with it. There's so there's so many things wrong in hip hop and rap that he has plenty of things he can change and improve upon. And I don't, ultimately, I don't think that white media and Jewish media are going to have anything to do with it, any say-so in it. Um, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like we're underestimating Kanye's ties, even to the most powerful Black people in this country. You know, I, Dame Dash has a football league. Jay-Z had title. You know, I don't think, these things are just going to go by the wayside. I think that they're working behind the scenes probably in ways we don't even know. That's my hope, at least, my optimistic hope. I, I'm genuinely concerned for Kanye West um, and his safety. I am. Mm. Been such a high-profile person. Sure I am because of, of the stuff he said in the Alex Jones interview. Like, it's, it really scared me when he said it. The fact that he dropped Mossad, he dropped Mossad like three or four different times. And I don't know if you know what Mossad is. Nah, I don't. But Mossad mm -hmm. is the Central Intelligence Agency of Israel. 
is one of the three branches of Israel's intelligence system. And if people know about the history of Israel and the power that the Mossad has, you wouldn't be making those kind of comments like that, like, especially in a joking way. The, the Mossad is nobody to mess with at all. Mm. Like the Mossad is responsible for Israel and that war where Israel basically fought against six different Arab countries and 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 defeated those Arab countries. And a lot of that had to do with the Mossad. The Mossad is a is an intelligence agency. And the unique thing about the Mossad is that the Mossad does not just protect people in Israel. They protect Jews all over the world. So if something happens, the Mossad will connect and and work things out with other intelligence agencies. Like, I'm not making this stuff up. Um, there's a book that I threw out yesterday mm. that um, I did with an interview of people. We, we talked about Julian Assange, this political prisoner and journalist and publisher with the panel yesterday. And there's a book called One Nation Under Blackmail, volumes one and two. The writer is Brittany, is Whitney Webb. She's, a, she's an investigative journalist. And she talks about the link between intelligence agencies and organized crime. And the Mossad is mentioned extensively in volume one of this book and volume two, as it pertains to the Jeffrey Epstein cover-up going on right now. Ghislaine Maxwell, all these women and girls were raped um, on his island. And all these people that are big in the government and the media, all these politicians and heads of state, they're being protected right now. And it goes back to um, organized crime and intelligence agencies and how much control they have of um, the governments around the world and the information that we have. And so I'm just, I'm doing this to educate people. Again, I personally don't think we've said anything that condemns a group of people. It's just simply stating information that's already out in the public. Um, mm. But is, I, I just think he needs to, mm. I think he was very reckless in that interview in particular. And it almost made me question because based up until that point, I'm, I still support Kanye, but is he a pawn too? Because you mentioned that Pete Davidson was, is a pawn, which I think is, is, is completely correct. I believe that Jay-Z is a pawn. Um, I believe a lot of these people that are visible and thrown in our faces all the time, that seem to be just everywhere at the same time that we are, I think that they're part of this whole um, conspiracy when it comes to controlling music industries and everything else. It, it, would you Is Kanye a pawn to you too? I, I doubt it. If he's a pawn, uh, I don't think it's serving the same purpose. <laughs> it's probably a different, uh, a different purpose he's serving. Hopefully he's a pawn of Jesus, like he says. But uh, no, nah, I don't I don't suspect him to be a pawn of that stature just because he seems to be actively ousted from that from that table, if you will. I don't think the people that are on that side are supporting him and vice versa. Just so people know to to expand on Jay's point earlier about um bug breaking. Bug breaking a lot of times involved the rape of black men in front of a crowd too. Mm. It wasn't as much as it did involve like whipping and sort of a discipline, but it was very explicit. And this is documented in Jamaica, Brazil, in places that had large, large enslaved populations. 
this was a common practice and it's not made up. We're not making this stuff up. Just look it up yourself. Perfect. And so that's why I made that up. That's why I brought it up too, because of the psychological almost serving as a litmus test in modern times when someone that's really high up that's a black person goes against what people want us to say it, I, I think those two people could easily be put in that example and, and Kanye has a very deep history with uh, testing the media's limits because mm-hmm. you remember when, under the Bush administration when he said um, yep. George Bush yep. does not like black people. Dave Chappelle, the camera turned on Dave Chappelle and Michael Myers, and they were both looking like confused. Their eyes could tell you everything. That, like, damn, this guy went off the script. Like, he's saying some shit that he's not supposed to say. But Kanye has always been like that. Also put into this category, because I've read the comments on social media and stuff. They portray him as a crazy person. Whenever you say things that go against what everyone wants to say, you become a crazy person. Now, the stuff I don't get about Kanye personally is the religious aspect, like the combination of religion, adding that into some of the points he's making. Because I'm not well-versed in Christianity in particular. Like, I've read the Bible before. I was a Christian at one point. I'm not now. But just some of the stuff that he was saying with Alex Jones, I'm not really... I don't understand a lot of that stuff, the references with Satan, and I just don't get into that stuff personally, but I don't understand it as well, and I admit that I don't understand that stuff. Could you enlighten me maybe some as far as my misconception of him? Because I know he has his own church and his own choir and stuff now. I just don't get some of the metaphors that he makes. I don't... I, I will speak from a place of experience, right? Because... I'm a Christian. I identify as a Christian and my father's a pastor. So I'm, I've been raised in the church, but I fell away from the church for some time and came back as an adult through reading and understanding God's word for myself. So that's my perspective on Christianity. And I don't even necessarily like that title because it's tied to the names and the names, the names is where things get muggy. You know, I'm a believer. There's one most high God. And we are all under under him, under the under that creator. When it comes to the names of the Messiah, I don't get into that because languages get involved and tribes and histories and all of that stuff. Um, so when Ye speaks in that way, I hope for his sake that he's aligned correctly with the most high. Um, because if you're portraying that and it's not necessarily true, it's gonna backfire eventually. Now, back to his safety, I I definitely am worried about that for him as much as I can outside of his body. But the things that he's saying and the people that he's attacking, like you said, they they really have no recourse. I'm saying that now they have no recourse. You know, these are the type of things, especially with them putting the crazy label and all of this on them. It can be reported, reported that either he took his own life or someone else took his life. And I believe it would come and go like a wind blow on San Diego beach. Like, I don't think that, unfortunately, I don't think that the media will carry that story very long and they'll try to just kind of treat it as a bump in the road if it were to come to that. So 
because of where he's put himself with the words that he said, I'm not his attorney, not his public defendant, but because of the things he said, I think that there's only two real options here. He can completely fall to oblivion and maybe something bad happens or he bounces back from this in a way that's unexpected by the powers that be and truly starts to turn a tide in black ownership, black liberation and black independence in America. Cause that movement's that movement's it's come, it's it's been alive since the 60s, 60s and so. But now we're at a point where something has to give. Everyone knows people are learning the history now. I'm not gonna say everyone knows, but people are learning and becoming aware of the true history and origins of America. Let's let's call it what it is. We're in the age of information. So a lot of these things that people are talking about, maybe there were only 10 public heads in, in the 70s and 80s and so on that knew the information, had the platform to share it, and were willing to share it regardless of the what would happen in return. Now we have this platform. We have my own platform. We have YouTube. We have Anchor. We have Spotify. We have all these different platforms of sharing information, and that has to be accounted for information is it almost moves at the speed of light these days you know what i mean like in the 60s if someone were to say something outlandish against the current paradigm it might take years for the public to hear that perspective Ye said these things and it went viral instantly millions hundreds of millions of people heard these messages over the course of 14 days so i think we're very early in this in this warfare that they've started against mr west and me and, and we're playing teams. I'm aligning on his side versus the people that attack him for being 100 percent honest. So I think that maybe they did win a battle up front when trying to publicly smear him and getting some of the people that look like him to actually think that whatever these media folks are saying is true. But I think that the war is much longer than that. And I don't think that he's alone in the army as the media is portraying him to be. Um even if Jay-Z, Dame Dash, you know, weren't supporting him, what about all the other people that he's come in contact with? Is there no one on Ye's side in the world? Like, is that really what we're supposed to believe, that this man is standing outside of mansions in L.A. begging to get Kim K back? Is that what we're supposed to believe? Like, come on, you know? That's definitely the narrative that they're pushing. They're definitely pushing that narrative. I can, it's like with Kanye, I have to sort of dissect what he says and piece it together because it's not always, um, I, I won't say consistent. It's very fragmented sometimes. It's like he would say something at the end of the interview that would make total sense with the beginning of it, but you have to kind of piece it together. He doesn't Two hours it, later. He doesn't string it together in that same notion. And it's hard to follow sometimes. But um, and that's why people try to use his bipolar disorder against him and and all this other like I don't know anything about this man's psychiatric history. I don't. I know that he changed a little bit after his mom died. I think that obviously that's going to affect anybody. But I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm his doctor. Like some people claim to be like in the doctor's office with him when he's getting prescribed i mean i'm just like dude shut the fuck up vehemently <laughs> <laughs> saying he's crazy he's got psychological dyslexia like what are we talking about bro <laughs> like, <laughs> man. 
I wanted to talk some about the history that you alluded to when it comes to black people and Jewish people. I made this comment after the George Floyd slaughter. After that mm. happened, I released mm. a 26 minute video on, on Facebook and you probably watched it. Mm. Um, that video got a lot of views. I did not expect it to get a lot of views, but it did. And it was just a, a sort of a passionate moment. And I confess, I didn't even watch the video. I didn't mm. watch all of it. Man, I watched the very beginning and that's it. But I didn't have to watch it. Because like Killer Mike was saying, America's obsessed with this murder porn, especially when it comes to murdering black people, the police. Like there's a, a history behind this. Instead of just spotlighting a moment here or a Tyree here or a Trayvon here or Brianna here. Like, there's a history of Rodney King. I mean, not even a murder, but just a breaking down of the Black subject. Um, and we know where it comes from. It's always been a part of the, the DNA of the United States. And it goes into the original sin that I talked about in that video mm-hmm. with Indigenous Americans and Black Americans. That's the part that frustrates me when we talk about the Zionist agenda if you want to frame the Zionist agenda and Black people being anti-Semitic, you have to also include the Black pain into this, which was previous to the Holocaust that we always hear about. We don't hear about the Black Holocaust. We don't hear about the Native American Holocaust, not to the degree I think we should hear about it as, because it wasn't named a Holocaust. Who knows the true figures of the slaying of Indigenous Americans or Black Americans? How many blacks died in the Atlantic Ocean? We don't know the true number, but all we hear about is this group of people that were killed in Germany and Poland in the Soviet Union. And somehow, why did we get into this pissing contest of comparing the slaughter of those people versus these people when these people were also slaughtered, previous to these people being slaughtered? Mm. But, and you never hear about the rep- where or where are our reparations? I think that's where black people are really paying right now. And um, I'm not the only one that shares this pain. It's not just a ploy. It's not a handout that black people want. It's a debt that's owed. You talked about this the last episode. Um, Why is it that when black people want something and need something, when we've seen that other groups have gotten it, Japanese Americans got reparations. Jewish people got reparations. So where are our damn reparations? when we're talking about pain and murders in history. And that's where, to me, the anti-Semitism argument does not hold water. When they, can't, they can't get reparations because they still, they're still, quite honestly, they're still racking up their bill. <laughs> they, can't, they can't pay out reparations because they're still racking up their bill because we haven't taken control yet. We haven't, we haven't shifted the paradigm yet. We're on the way, but we haven't shifted it yet. But I do want to touch on the police killings. I think it's important to say, and this video will never go as viral as a police killing, but I think it's important to say that all police killings don't go viral. All police killings don't go viral. Look at the statistics. We get a viral police killing once every two years, maybe. Seems to be timely. Um, But all police killings don't go viral, and they seem to go viral when they want them to, you know? And what's unfortunate about the Tyree, the Tyree situation in, in Memphis is 
we got was it five six black cops big linebacker looking dudes three of them was omega sci-fi they got removed from the the frat after this video blew up but i don't even know if i'm using this properly but it's almost like natural selection i can't even fought the black police officers for what they did because they were they were in the uniform they they're blue it's like in our society there's there's black white yellow green whatever 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 and blue so in that time they were blue and that was a black man they were under they were under police training and psychological training to make to make their brother seem like an enemy is what it comes down to in my personal opinion so again the fact that that went just completely ballistic viral it I'm not, it's not, it wasn't planned. It's unfortunate how it happened. And the fact that they were black men, I think just made the story even more juicy for the media. Oh, this is great. We can put this out. These are, we can, we can plaster five black police officers that killed Mr. Tyree. And I watched that video too. Cause I, I don't even like to speak on that type of stuff without really have an understanding of what happened. Cause anything could happen. It was ugly, and it seemed as if, from the audio I heard at the end, it seemed as if he wasn't even the ta- the suspect that they were supposed to be getting in the first place. That is, that's insanely scary. Insanely scary, to say the least. Is my camera tweaking right now? It is. That was me. It's fine, but your audio is perfect. For sure. But I, I think... That's that's why I don't watch. I didn't even watch the Tyree video. I didn't watch any of it. Um, mm. I don't have to. That's the thing about these stories, like you said. They blow up so big that people tell you the news. Like, they tell you what's going on. You don't even have to turn on the television. The poison box is what I call it. It's a damn mm. poison box. But um, they're just like the Grammys, that shit that came on the other night, I mean. It's just all the fucking distraction, honestly. I mean, and I don't want to sound like just a complete... I'm, I'm cynic. I'm a cynic. But I think cynicism can be a good thing. I think my whole mantra throughout my life, at least the last 15 years of my life, is 50% pessimism, 50% optimism. <laughs> you have to pick out... You ditch Man. out whatever you need, and you take in what you need. I just think that some of this shit don't... This fake ass football, these rigged ass football games, all this shit is a fucking distraction. Like these men in tights or whatever, running around catching balls, grabbing balls is what my wife calls it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like all this shit going on in the world. We're sending billions of dollars to countries to bomb other countries and just all this other shit that's going on. And we're covering up for pedophiles and everything else. And we're supposed mm. to care about these fake ass scripted football games that are tied to the gambling industry and the mafia and everything else but i guess we have to have something to escape from right we just can't we can't focus too much and be too woke because if we're too awake we know that this shit's all a game anyway and so we have to just keep giving the people the reality television <laughs> I think it's, it's funny reality, reality television, television. I'm not gonna lie, I love I love the reality <laughs> TV I'm not going to sit here. I'm, I don't watch just all documentaries and just serious all the time. You got to laugh to keep from crying. Like, I totally mm. agree. You have to entertain yourself. But this stuff with just these police broadcastings of, of the slaying of black people is not something that's a current thing 
I mean, even look, watching some of the interviews, like I watched Smokey Robinson's Breakfast Club interview a few years ago, and he talked about how in the 50s and the 60s, when they were on tour with Motown, they would have to, you know, eat the meals in separate buildings. Like, even though he was Smokey Robinson, he couldn't eat in the restaurant with the white people, you know, in a lot of places. Like, they gave him his food. He had to eat it in the car. He was bullied and beat up by police officers and and white people all the time when he was in Detroit growing up. These are just casual stories. The way these people's experiences have been, that tells you that there's way more to the picture. I Hell mean, yeah. most people back then dealt with police brutality. They make it seem like it's just some new thing as so outrageous as almost part of the media machine to highlight Tyree, to highlight George. But I'm saying to myself, you realize what else is going on? This is just what they're showing you. And why is the timing? It's almost like two years exactly from George Floyd. Oof. So why are they showing it two years exactly from George Floyd now? Not not only not only do we not see all the killings, I think it we have to highlight that the most of the killings that we've seen, even to this day, are in large cities. They're in sit they're in, like they're in cities where there's bystanders coming by. Like this topic gets me real amped up because like you said, we don't we don't see everything that they're we don't see everything that actually happens, right? The first of all, the instinct, the instinct for one, the ability and the speed of being able to pull out a phone is very new. This is less than five years to a decade. So the instinct, ability, and the speed to pull out a phone, I want to emphasize the instinct to pull out a phone and record a police officer beating someone up in public. That's only going to happen in cities where there's people or pedestrians walking by actively, where there's enough people in that city, in that concentrated area that can actually do that. They have to have the ability and the speed and the the instincts to actually pull out the phone and do it. All of this stuff is is very, very new. Like it has to be accounted for. So yeah, we the situation in Memphis, um, in Minnesota, stuff happens in New York, Eric Gardner, LA, Rodney King, way back in the day. Not only does the recording have to happen, okay, now it has to get passed up. If this is a public camera, someone in that setting, in that CCTV closed circuit television setting has to say, okay, this isn't right. I'm going to share this with someone else. So many things have to happen in between that it's obvious that all the police brutal beatings, even that are on video, don't even reach the public. <laughs> so how so every now and then something comes up that actually passes all of those steps and gets blown up in the light. And we're supposed to think that, oh, this happens every now and then. What's unfortunate about police brutality is that shit happens every week, statistically. This shit happens on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. Someone's killed by police and we probably never hear about it. And what also has to be said, it's not always black people. It's not always black people. Let's not get it misconstrued. Like these are people who are, they got the badge, they got the power, all this other stuff, but they're human. You know, they're human. There's people that suffer to this stuff a lot more often than we see. And to close out the point, if it's not a black person being killed by the police, we probably damn near never hear about it. We'll never hear about it because the public won't, there won't be as big of an outcry as it, it's not, the imagery isn't there. 
<laughs> these are media sources. They want clicks, views, and popularity. Fox wants more views than ABC. So the imagery isn't there for them to even push the story as much. Not many journalists are going to pick it up. Social media is not going to blow it up. It's not going to lead to clicks. So the backlash we're going to get for showing it isn't going to lead to enough in the future. So we're just not going to put it out there. Like there's so many different factors in this thing. A hundred percent. I think there's something important for my audience to understand and Jay's audience. We need to start, if you want to participate in this public sham of what we call a voting, a democracy, whatever we have right now, if we're going to vote shame people every two to four year cycles, to me, if you're going to vote, vote for something, protest vote. It's not even a protest vote for me at this point. It's a vote based on principle. If you hmm. talk to talk and walk to walk, if this situation upsets you that much with all these slings you've seen on camera, so you can't pretend, pretend that you haven't seen it, hmm. now that you have all this information in front of you, fucking protest vote. So don't vote for these. The one part is what I call it until qualified immunity is completely ended for police unions. Don't vote for these same people who are getting money from the police lobbies. Why the fuck would you support Democrats and Republicans when they're funding the police state more and they're protecting the police from the brutality? So to me, it's lip service when you say, that's so sad, whatever, what the fuck are you doing about it? Nothing. Because until you end qualified immunity, and similar laws, this stuff is going to keep on happening. Like you said, it's not even, even a black person thing. It's a human being thing. We shouldn't want the police to do this to anybody. But they're so powerful because the politicians have allowed them to become so powerful on top of it because they don't want to take the power of the pen and they don't want to do anything about ending the immunity for these cops. So they have free reign to do whatever they, whatever they want to do. And that's just one aspect of it, qualified immunity. But my thing is this, if you really want to change something with these reformist policies, start from that. We need to get to the point where you don't want to see innocent people dying in millions overseas, which I learned a long time ago. I'm not going to support a political party or an entity that funds the killing of millions of people around the world consistently. So why the fuck am I mm -hmm. going to support them at a ballot? I'm not. I'm, I'm tired of doing it. And if people are really serious about their principles and stuff, you have to, you can't support corruption and then say, why the fuck is nothing changing when you're supporting the same corruption that's funded by the people who are committing the corruption? I mean, it's just corruption in a suit and a tie. And people need to see those links. Go to followthemoney.com, go to opensecrets.org. It shows you where all the money is going and who's getting the money and benefiting from the money. So no, these things are going to keep, continue to happen because we're supporting it, whether we want to or not, complicitly or implicitly, we're supporting the actions that are committed against our population, our human population, not even black people. Mm. I know you have something to say about that, Jay, probably. Nah, I, I just agree. Um... I don't want to say it's a generational thing, but there is like a there's a huge number of people who have been here longer than myself 
that may just continue to vote and vote and vote and vote and vote with no real no real strategy. I say that much. They kind of just vote because they're supposed to. Um, and I think that because of just age being the common, you know, qualifier for political leadership in any country. I believe that most leaders, I don't have any proof of this, but it just most leaders are likely to be conservative. That's just how it is. They're relying on the paradigms and, you know, understandings of yesteryear to get more votes from people who've been here longer. And that's naturally going to put them in leadership. So a progressive leader is few and far between. And I actually shared this on a conversation I did the other day, but progressive leadership is often attacked, ridiculed, or looked at as, you know, an outsider, or outlier, because it's progressive. It goes against what, you know, is current. And I don't think that anyone who's progressive in the United States eyes should be viewed as anything other than good. Because <laughs> what, what principles does the United States have to stand on who can tell other people that they shouldn't do whatever, you know, that's like Farrakhan and, and Mike Wallace back in the day. It's like, how, who are you to condemn? Who was it? Nigeria at the time. Who are you to condemn Nigeria to say they're this, that, and the third when you're speaking from an American perspective? So I, I do think there's truth that, you know, we can't continue to say these things are wrong, but I'm going to go support the people that are, they didn't put the laws in place, but they're agreeing with them because they're not changing them. So it's like, we got to make a choice to stand. But it, the struggle with that as a young person, as a person who's, I've been a legal voter for 10 years now, I'll be 28 this year, but I'm still really understanding what that responsibility means because I don't think anyone really knows what it means, <laughs> to be honest. But like, how do you how do you combat not aligning with Democratic or Republican because you recognize that this is actually a one-party state? I don't know if there's a a right way to combat that from a voting perspective other than just sharing my disagreement with the entire entire structure? <laughs> well, we don't have the infrastructural, the infrastructural tools, all of them in place to um, instate a system that gives way more variance to politics. And that's why we have the quagmire that we're in right now because we see the revolving door of the two teams working together. Like, it's done like that on purpose. And um, there's some systems. I'm actually going to interview a gentleman tomorrow from Australia. Um, his name is v Vinay Oriconde. And in Australia, they have a ranked choice voting system. They've used this system for over 100 years, where if you're voting for a person, we have here what we call... Um, there's a precise term for it. Um, I think it's called majority choice voting. There's another word that I'm not using that's correct. But we basically, when you vote here, you select that person and that's all you can choose. But in a real political system, let's say if you had 20 presidential candidates running, for instance, it can be obviously more offices that this pertains to, but we're just talking about the president of the United States. Let's say you had 20 options under a ranked choice voting system you could choose your top six options if you wanted to. You could actually choose the top 20 options hmm. if you wanted to. You could choose those options. And there wouldn't be any fear or backlash 
for voting for the lesser of two evils or four evils, multiple evils or whatever, there wouldn't be any vote shame involved because if your candidate didn't make it, your vote would still have some power because let's just say you hate Biden. You could vote him number 20 out of the one. Your number one is your one choice. Your 20 is your worst choice. And so he automatically gets dropped off. And so if he's mm-hmm. dropped off in the first round, let's just say the first 10 people are dropped off in the first round and the second round candidates one through 10 survive. No one can say that fuck you because you supported or you didn't support Joe Biden because that motherfucker never made it to the second round. So they Hmm. don't have an argument to make anymore. That's the way it's done in Australia. I know. And it it takes, it gives people the power because we don't have to worry about consequences in case a motherfucker that we don't like um, is eliminated because they're eliminated because they're not popular enough to begin with. Like if you use that same rationale, Biden wouldn't he wouldn't even have made it to the second round in his own party the last election cycle. If they would have done that, he would have dropped off, Kamala would have dropped off, and we would have been reduced to maybe Warren, Bernie, and some other motherfuckers. I mean, they're all shit show now. I'm actually saying none of those fuckers now. And I don't care if my audience don't like that. They know that I went rogue when it comes to <laughs> the Democratic Party. I mean, fuck the Democrats and the Republicans. Fuck them all. But Fair. Because they're all going to fuck us anyway, so I say fuck them back. <laughs> 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 but it's just one of those things where it's another viewpoint, and like you said, people don't want don't want to see progressive politics. To me, the true progressive politics for a black person, I can't speak for all black people, but based on that history that we've had in the political system and this society in general, black politics should only be revolutionary in nature. We should not accept anything but revolutionary politics in the tradition you know, of the Black Panther Party, and what we used to have. But but see, we don't have any Black revolutionary presence at all now because the system has killed those people off. Let me get your take on this. I, I heard recently that, and I don't even know if this is, it was from a credible media source, though. I can't think of a YouTube channel, but dude does like news or whatever, liberal cat. He made a video basically attacking Trump because Trump came out and said that he wanted to overthrow the entire Constitution. Now, it was a liberal perspective. So, you know, oh, he's coming. He's, he wants to overthrow the Constitution. This is reckless behavior. This, uh, but it was like, <laughs> shit, I align with that. Let's overthrow the whole damn thing. We could change voting rights. We could change the 13th Amendment. We could look at gun laws, like whatever the hell. Overthrow the whole thing. That's that sounds like great news to me. Cause since 1776, people that look like me ain't never had no no ground to stand on when it comes to law, politics, and true freedom. And so overthrow the whole thing. Hell, I'm with it. <laughs> Careful, Jay, because hey, you know how they they would come at us and say that we're trying to incite hey, But hey, I look, what, man. <laughs> I, hey, I, I'll say this or whatever. What did Chuck D say? A rebel without a pause? but i tell you man people know i have to do it in a clandestine way on this forum but i've had people on um i I had jacob on the last one of the last episodes i've done jay character i had them on as well i've had some people on here there are a lot of people hidden behind the scenes that you would not suspect that are down for a serious cause and i'm not going to say what cause that is because Mm. that hasn't happened yet 
I'm not going to be, I'm not going to put it this way. Maybe what we've said is enough to put us under the bars or whatever. I don't know behind bars, yeah. but I'm just saying, I'm definitely, I'm Very down needle. for sure. I'm down for sure. And um, we need a change because right now what we have is we have two parties that basically they want to satisfy people every 10 to 20 to 30 years to give people the impression that things are changing, but they don't want to have an abrupt change. They want to keep this shit going yeah. while poor people die, the working class dies off so that a few people have all the control. That's what they want. They want well, us even to die off. It even triggered, I didn't say triggered you, but you see how uncomfortable that kind of conversation is when we start to overthrow the whole constitution. Uh -huh. But what principles does it stand on? You know, it from the words, it kind of makes sense. And so oh, freedom and liberty for all and all this other stuff. But like, has it been acted out that way? Mm -hmm. So what, what value does it actually hold? If you have a rule book, if we're playing Uno, if we're playing Uno, right? And it's house rules, and somebody tries to go back and reference the original Uno rules, they hold no value here. So, yes, the 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 or monopoly, the rules exist. That's cool. We acknowledge that, but they don't hold any value. So why not just make our own rules? That's the way I see it. The people who made those rules aren't here anymore. They're not here. We're playing a whole new game of monopoly, a whole new type of Uno. Let's reorganize these rules and just play house rules. We got the house. Like we're if we rely on them rules, we we seceded from Britain. We still speak English, but even the things we learn, we learn from them anyway. So we're still playing their game in the first place. We never even really got away from Britain. We're speaking English. We learned our principles and our our way of society from them. We're a whole new people in America. We need a new constitution. It's, it's logical. <laughs> it's logical. It's illogical to still rely on something that was made 300 years ago. And it's not even doesn't even hold any value in the public sphere. Like that's illogical. That's what I would say. Jay, I like that. I tell you. That we have consistency, too. Mm. At least on the air. We went back. I remember the interview we did the very first interview I've done. Because I didn't think I would get into podcasting. Like, not even starting a forum myself, but being a guest, I never saw that coming. You know, I didn't feel comfortable going into a podcast, but thankfully mm. to you and to Bruce Jackson, Bruce told me about you. You guys are related. You guys are cousins. And he said, why don't you come on this forum called The Black Voice? At the time, it was called The Black Voice. Man. And let's talk about the George Floyd situation and everything else. Like, how do you about that and I was down for the cause I was like sure I'll do it um, but one of the last things I said in the interview I know you remember was that the best thing for black people at the time will be for Trump to get into office again mm. that would be the best thing and, and people like I said I said it in a way that wasn't threatening to these snowflake ass liberals because I mean I don't want to call people by name because these are good people but some of my friends are snowflakes, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right now, they're still Real snowflakes, shit. but some of them are becoming a little bit less snowflakey, which is mm. good. We don't need the snowflake mentality. And just to be clear, there are plenty of conservatives that are snowflakes. These are the people who they say that they want to change shit up. Like you said, the J6 situation that I'm not going to get into, 
I think J6 was a fucking sham. I think it was. I, I believe it was an inside job, honestly. I, I was telling my son when we were watching it, these people climbing the fucking Capitol and stuff. I, I was telling them. The media. Does this shit look like a movie or what? Hollywood. <laughs> Thank you. Hollywood. Hollywood shit, dude. Come on, guys. Like, I was, I was texting people, and the people that I fuck with, we don't give a fuck. Like, why the fuck should we care? And like you said, what if it did? Like, what if they do want to overthrow the Constitution? How can they be so... a bad thing for us? <laughs> How can it be a bad thing for us? You know what I'm saying? Man. But see, when you have a different set of eyes and different sets of experiences, you have those people who are saying, oh, my gosh, it undermined the, the, the democracy. What fucking democracy? We ain't got no democracy anyway. Imagine white people overthrowing the government and black people being upset. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're overthrowing the government. Just, but see, that oh goes to show you the different perspectives. I wasn't even thinking that when that happened. I was like, oh my God, my poor United States, this country is going to hell in the hand. <laughs> I was never, that never went through my mind at all. It was funny. And I, was saying, and it, I, I, thought, I thought it was funny myself. 100%. And the people in there, like, I'm supposed to be convinced that these politicians, their lives were under threat. But that's what they want to tell you. And then what did they do? They funded the police more. They gave the Capitol Police more money after that. Mm-hmm. And they were apparently Pelosi was going to be assassinated. All these motherfuckers. I'm saying to myself, I'm not saying anything. I don't want anyone to die. But I'm just sitting back, ain't saying shit. I got my popcorn. I got my popcorn. That's all I'm saying. Don't don't make me feel like I'm supposed to care. I'm just saying, mm. as many people as they fuck over on a daily basis, I'm supposed to care about some people in suits and ties that don't fuck, don't give a fuck about me. The same people who knelt on the ground like they were in solidar- solidarity with George Floyd, but the key architect of the crime bill that condemns black people having drugs on them in the first place is in the office, and we're supposed to support that stuff. Like it's just, and they're all about the police. Like they love. Don't be surprised. Like the Democrats and Republicans love the police. They do. Mm. And I'm not saying that that should be a complete abolition of police, but I'm just saying in nice neighborhoods, quote unquote, with they have nice resources, lots of money. I don't see people saying there are too many cops there. The problem is that there are cops in neighborhoods where they don't need to be there. So if crime is high in those areas caused by the police and the drug war to begin with, why would we want more police just to over-police more black people? Like, that that's... We just don't want black people in our neighborhoods that don't need to be there because they're causing more problems than they're mm-hmm. solving. So why, so why is that such a bad thing that we don't want those people in those neighborhoods? Just because you have a nice, cozy neighborhood with a cop around the corner that you want, that's good. I wish every neighborhood have police to actually care for the people, but we don't have that in this country. We have policing in areas where people are already struggling, and there are too many of them there. And I know you know this because you interviewed a police officer who agreed that they should defund the police. Mm. And what's the name of that gentleman that you interviewed? That's my cousin. That's my cousin, uh, Everett. Oh, and uh, that's my other guy, Hooper, uh, Officer Hooper. He was from Chicago. My cousin was down in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. That was a good conversation. Do you do you think that um, do you think that any police can act unbiased, like in uniform? You know what I mean? Like, can they 
use proper judgment without police bias? Is that far fetched? I because I the reason I ask that I don't I don't believe that like a sane a sane good person can be a police for like a long time. Not under these not under these these strains, especially with the public like perception of being a police. I think you have to almost be a little off center <laughs> to want to be a police right now. Like and to do it at a at a at a sustainable level for a long time. Unless you're going home, I'm just, I'm being human. Unless you're going home drinking every night or doing worse. Like, I can't imagine that you can be a sober, good, jolly-go-lucky man and be a police officer in this environment. I think it'd be very hard to do. The thing about, the way I look at police is that police at the, at the very bottom rung of the police state, which is the United States. But most countries mm -hmm. have a police state presence. Um. When I lived in Costa Rica for a summer, they have security there, but they're not really full-fledged police people in a lot of areas. They're really more community people. Like I was eating lunch with the quote-unquote police in Costa Rica because that's the mm. way they do it. They're actually a part of the community. It's not like this task Separate. force or a, separation man. Or, or a SWAT team, this type of shit that we have here. To me, the police are the lowest rung of the police state, which basically means that they carry out and execute people that the military don't execute. They execute people that the intelligence agencies don't execute. So the intelligence agencies actually have more control than the police do that we see every day. But those are the people who are an extension of the military and the, the intelligence agencies, which make up this big, big police system, not even including the prison system, which is also a part of this police state. So I don't like police in the sense that that's like saying a soldier that's in another country that's defending America can use proper judgment in a situation. How do I know that that person is not killing innocent kids and bystanders? So we got to mm. we have to put all of our trust in an agent of government to do the right thing. Of course, so based on that premise alone, I don't have any faith, even in, in good cops, because they're part of the system that allows for the abuses to happen in the first place. So I have mm. to view them as just one set of the chessboard, unfortunately, even if they're mm. good people and they need a job, I get that. But I just think that the system has bred this kind of mentality, not to mention that that unfortunate historical link, you know, to the slave patrols, you know, that are already there, that that's already embedded in this, it's baked in the, into that. Yeah, I think that probably wrapping it up here, but I, I think it's very unfortunate the Tyree Nichols situation that they just happen to be black cops, man. It's just it gives it it gives the media so much fuel. They're gonna ride this shit out like crazy. They're gonna ride it out. The cops were convicted, dang there within twelve hours, it seemed like. Um you know, the, the fraternity ousting them from Omega Sci-Fi almost instantly. Ugh, it just and it it makes it even more uncomfortable. I actually saw an older black cop yesterday, a gentleman. I pulled up to the grocery store and he just happened to pull up behind my car. And I had an expired license plate, if I'm being honest. Got some emission stuff going on. So I thought <laughs> he was pulling me over, but I got out the car. He wasn't he wasn't sudden me at all. But he kind of gave me a look ahead and I 
Um, and I gave him a look. And typically with anyone, I would typically give a look and a smile. This is what I do. But for some reason, I was in the back of my head. And I was like, in my head, in the moment, I was like, I can't even trust a black cop no more. And like, if I'm thinking that, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one thinking that. And it was unfortunate that I had to even look at him that way. Now I'm going to the store like, did I give him the proper grace? Like, did I actually handle him as a human being or did I let something else affect how I saw him? And I, in that moment, I truly felt like I let something else that I saw affect my interaction with him. And it's like, the fact that they're plastering that everywhere, it's just, it's just unfortunate, man. I hope that, um, I hope that there's change ahead. I hope in my lifetime, I can see something drastically change as far as, our makeup as a country, whether it's a new constitutional convention, um, doing away with some of these police laws that protect them when they're murdering people, human to human murdering people. It doesn't, don't give a damn if you have a badge on or some, some, you know, public given authority. No one has a right to take a life, especially when his life isn't threatened. Like no one, I don't agree with it, man. Well, going to what you said, and I have to be careful what I say here because I know a lot of people know me and they know people that we associate with, but I'll just put it this way. I'll use a hypothetical. I just know that based on some people's experiences with the police, black police, especially, it doesn't matter. I mean, really at the end of the day, like who's under that uniform, but um, those people have seen situations where their vendettas against certain families in the neighborhood. And so, Mm. They've been cover ups of murders, mm. like witnessing, witnessing the gunshots, hearing the gunshots, moving the bodies out of the house, and getting rid of evidence and stuff because of a certain family that this happened to. Black people doing this stuff, so I have no trust at all in the system. I've seen it firsthand, so I can't have included the hypothetical into real life. But um, this stuff happens a lot. Too is too common. Um, but that's what happens when you have consolidated power like that. Um, we're basically at that mercy at all times. You know, sure, the symbolism only goes so far. And that, that's what we talked about in one of our episodes. Um, this black symbolism, black, black faces in the high places. Being a black person in office doesn't mean anything if, if you're not benefiting black people. And it's the same thing with police officers. I mean, mm. what's her name? What's her name again? I haven't heard about it for a couple of years. Kamala Harris. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> God. Cop, cop Miller is what the conservatives call it. Cop Miller. Man. But um, it's um, but people are just and I, I I follow just looking on there. I get the symbolism, but I I feel like we will as a people. And people in general, but I'm, I'm talking to black people especially, I think we would grow more as a people politically and societally if we stop trying to look for all these different models of um, I know representation is important but at some point there has to be a cutoff. Like, okay, what is this representative doing for us? You know, for me? Do I even need to be represented in the first place? Mm. Because I can tell you this representation stuff has gone way too far and to me, it's just a cloak of the system itself. I mean, and th and that's what the police do, you know? Like you were asking me about the police, what I feel about them. 
at the end of the day, they're just politicians. They're just police officers because they have to submit to the system that they're working for. So it shouldn't make anyone surprised that they do these things that they do. The fact that we still have the drug war going on under a black president, you would think that if black people were disproportionately affected under the drug laws, that a black president would have done something about it. All they do is just add, they put band-aids on it to give people the impression, oh, let me just drop those mandatory minimums that my running mate put into place and give the impression that we're changing the system. But let keep, let's keep it everything legal, illegal, keep it illegal, but do a few things to make people think that the system is changing. So mm. we can just put it on to the other administration to make a real change. I mean, but the people are demanding those changes. Until you vote and protest vote for those changes, they're not going to change. Qualified immunity, the drug war, all this stuff goes together. That we can't separate them. The war on the military budgets, all this is tied into the police budgets. All this stuff <laughs> goes into militarism. So if you support Democrats and Republicans, you support all those things that I talked about, whether you want to or not. Just look at the laws that are on the books already. If you want to make a change, don't support that. That could be your first initial um, momentum into maybe putting pressure on the system. As long as you support them, they don't have any reason to change anything. That's the way I look at it. And to me, that alone is worth a vote for something else besides what you're doing. Yeah. I think that um, my understanding of laws, and I, I know we're talking about like laws and legal stuff through this last like 10 minutes of wrapping up. Isn't it our laws made to exclude? Like it's I'm just trying to understand. Because it I feel like if we need all these inclusion laws, then laws naturally are made to exclude people. Is that a wrong perspective? I'm still I'm a learning, I'm a learning kid. <laughs> it's just from what I see, it just seems like laws are put in place literally to exclude people unless the words inclusion are within them by some way. I don't know. The problem, the problem with laws is that someone has to enforce them, but then depending on the powers that be, they don't become enforced. Uh, just like, um, you know, with the COVID-19 narrative and these um, the, the anti-Asian, apparently, and I don't want to degrade people, but I'm sorry. Like, I, I saw that stuff going on, like being circulated in the media about the, the hate towards Asian people, the hate towards certain people. But I don't see any anti-Black bills at all. I, I don't see anything for Black people even being proposed. Mm. But, and and so to me, you don't, how do you expect people to have sympathy when we get all these news stories, but there's no sort of protections in there? We should be a protected group of people. And some people will argue that the Civil Rights Act in 64, deemed black people as a protected class of citizens. I don't I don't think it did enough. It's like, it's like you said, sometimes you have to adapt with the terms. A lot of people, I think, are still living in 1964. The approach for most lawmakers is that what was done back then was enough for black people. And it's like we haven't done anything else to come up with the times to reassess the, the plight of black people now. Like, we're in another century now. We need to start mm -hmm. worrying about what happened back then. Sure, maybe for that time period, that needed to be done. But maybe something else needs to be done for
for this time period. And that's what people don't talk about enough. How much has really changed in 60 years? <laughs> Correct. Look at the wealth inequality. Nothing's yeah. changed. You could argue that it's been worse than, than it was back then. Considering the technology and everything we have now compared to then, you can make the argument that we're in a worse position now than we were back then. Which is more distractions. <laughs> we just have more, we have more Man. to account for now. But um, it, it's an ongoing situation and, and they're constantly moving targets. But I think it's important for people to just sort of um, take, a, take, take a breather from the poison box and maybe reassess your family, reassess your views and see if um, these changes are actually happening that you want to see put in place. Just follow what they're telling you. Um, I, I don't see any changes happening that much. I see a lot of good words being spoken, but I mean, I have to see things for myself. I'm a very empirical person and I like to see things happen like when they're supposed to happen. And, um, I just think that we have too many things going on and I can't really blame people with, with rising um, cost of living and inflation and everything else. It's hard to put all the blame on just everyday people because um, we do have a lot to account for, and we can't keep up with everything that's been done behind the scenes in Congress right now. Yeah, words to that, to that. But do you have any closing words um, about? I guess this this um, this information age that we're in right now, and. Um, being able to say what you want to say and the threat of losing friends over it because I've, I've followed mm -hmm. some of your stuff on TikTok and I've seen all the pushback you've gotten from just posting certain videos and I've gotten <laughs> some pushback from people and it's sad to see that the people are questioning like what's wrong with you man like what happened to you like I've, I've gotten that more times than ever this last five years Kiko what happened to you man mm, yeah <laughs> yeah I would say um, <laughs> I, I embrace it, man, because, again, I don't I'm not going to align with what's wrong. And clearly the country I grew up in was birthed on wrong principles. I don't think anyone can. If someone wants to, to come tell me differently, then I would love to hear. It. But it, it seems that the country that I was born in was birthed on wrong principles. So I don't stand firmly against it simply for the fun of it. I heard you say rebel without a. I got told that uh, Rebel Without Cause when I was still in corporate. I was still in corporate, and a guy told me that. He was one of my managers. He's like, oh, you're a rebel without a cause. I'm just like, well, I just don't like doing things that don't make sense to my to my morals and standards. Like, I don't. And this this was a situation where we were open as a corporate company. It was negative 70 degrees outside, and I stayed in a two-bedroom apartment on the second floor, and our heater wasn't working properly. So I stayed home with my family and I got told I was a rebel without a cause for taking care of my family in negative 70 degree weather, you know? So I, I don't know, man, I, I will stand on, on truth and I do my own self studies. I try not to be on the poison box, especially as of late, I'm more so trying to put out content than consume it. Um, so yeah, I just try to put out positivity some of the stuff might be challenging. I'm going to get some backlash every now and then, but I'm always coming from a good place with good intent. You know, I did post, I posted a BBL video one time. I ended up taking it down. 
Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I took I archived it because uh I saw I think I saw the video. <laughs> yeah, so I got a little backlash and I was like, I don't even want all that smoke. Like I you know what I'm saying. I let them live. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it, but I let them live, man. I don't, especially because it's women. It's a, it's it's specifically women. So I don't want to just be attacking women in any circumstance. Never that. That's fair. And I know we've talked about that subject on, on previous episodes. Um, and me and you may have different views on that, but I, I definitely know that you're coming from a good place. But that's the point of dialogue. We should be able to have differences of opinion about stuff and be able to, to talk about it instead of, um, you know, canceling someone over that. Um, my whole thing is this. This is the slogan I've come with for with this podcast. The slogan is, you can't unthink free thought. And so I know that you're a free <laughs> I thinker. <like> that. <laughs> I know that you're I like a free that. thinker. And people ask, how do you know what a free thinker is? You can tell what a free thinker is because you don't conform to what other people are saying. And a lot of this stuff that we're talking about is simply groupthink. You compare yourself to other people. How much traction is it getting with certain people? You, I'm almost at a point now where if a lot of people agree with something, it's almost like not a good thing sometimes. <laughs> because, because we haven't gathered enough information to come to, to sensible conclusions. And so to me, it's like a very much a copycat generation we have where everything is just about the moment and just like the Ukraine banners, like everyone's got the Ukraine stuff. Luckily, a lot of people are taking them down now because they see exactly what that's about. Whenever the NFL draft and the military leaders on television, they're promoted by the same news networks and they have contracts with the same news networks, the military industry have these Ukraine banners. Like, what's going to be the next banner they have on two years from now when something happens? All of a sudden, Facebook has that banner. We're all in solidarity with each other. It, uh, motherfuckers just copycat. It's just like, have mind your own. Don't even know why you're posting this stuff. Just put it on there. You know, mm. Russian people don't exist, though, Jay. It's only Ukrainian people that are suffering, not the Russians at all. And so we're supposed to just hate Russian people and support this one government versus the other one. At the end of the day, they all want you to support the war over there. So I, I, my whole thing is fuck the war. Let's find a way to end the war instead of supporting a side to the war. Because it's clear that people haven't read up on the history that began the war in the first place. And so mm -hmm. that's the point of this podcast is to inform people how that history started and get people to talk about Let's end that stuff. Let's not continue the same stuff. What have we been doing now hasn't been working out. So what what are we going to do to benefit the people now? Let's find something that's going to benefit the people and, and something that's not going to just mind control us over and over again. Because that's like you said, consumerism. Let's be the let's be the ones that create the content. Let's be our own creators. Let's not consume the stuff that they want us to consume. We're smart enough to create our own communities. We don't need their communities. I think that's what we need to get at now. Do you yeah, want and to it I say it takes a lot of convincing, you know. It takes a lot of convincing for people that look like us. I can speak to my friend group to really awaken them to their own capabilities and possibilities because they've been told their whole life otherwise. 
Uh, what was your question? Uh, you, you about to say something? Do you have anything to conclude with with um, this particular episode? Do you have a message for my audience, for your audience? Any departing words or closing words? Be free. <laughs> be free. That's it, man. That's it. Seek your own information and be free. You said, turn out the poison box. I'm going to echo what you said. Seek out your own, the truth, the truth. I'm, I wouldn't say your own information, but seek out the truth. That before you react to something, before you post something, for sure, seek out the truth behind whatever you're standing on and just be free, man. I'm I'm not anti-group think, but I am anti-reaction think, if you will. So mm -hmm. as long as you, as long as, you know, you've done your research and you've come to the same conclusion as others, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're thinking simply off a reaction and how you're told to think i don't agree with that at all <laughs> i don't agree with it so what would be the closest what would be the most contact um driven way to speak with jay clark the most direct way for someone to get into contact with you if they had a question or a comment directed towards jay clark well they can hit me on instagram it's probably easiest at jay clark real r-e-e-l um, yeah, I'm pretty good at responding like DMs and stuff. As long as it's like not attached to a viral post, because then people I get a lot of DMs with viral posts. People <laughs> just sharing. I mean, some of them are cool. They'll share like resources and books and different information and stuff. But some people are just like, larger post style. This is that. That's this is that. That is this. You shouldn't say that. You should say this type stuff. I don't. Know. You know, people, man. But but anyways, Jay, I hope I didn't make you late to your next engagement. <laughs> nah, <it's laughs> every time we talk, we talk a while. But I appreciated this conversation. Um, tomorrow we have Vinay Oriconde. He's going to come on here and talk about ranked choice voting hmm. and um, give another alternative to the two-party system and to the way we do things here, the majority vote system. And I think that's going to be a very informative interview. We have Sarah Omer that's coming on after him. She's going to continue her our conversation about Brazil and um, black people in Brazil and two of her articles that she published and about the crump music and how that relates to the larger African diaspora. We have a lot of beautiful guests coming down the road. Um, we have Matt Nelson coming up next week. He's going to talk about his manuscript that hasn't even been published yet. So we kind of get mm. a sneak peek into his book that talks about the color of civics which actually deals with the Chicagoland area. So it may be of um, particular interest to Jay and his audience as well. So I'm looking forward to all these interviews we have down the road. Um, good evening. Good day, beautiful people. And we'll see you the next time. So I appreciate you having me, man.